0: What's up, guys? This is Andres, and you're listening to the Meaning of Podcast. This is RB3. And this is the podcast where we break down your favorite film directors and the me- deeper meaning within their films. Yeah. And RB3, we're back to doing directors. Yeah, yeah. We're oh, not talking God. about no reviews. Uh, no
1: bullshit. No, no blockbusters. <laughs> no future of Hollywood. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No more than Spider-Man.
1: Yeah. Marvel. Get that shit out of here, man. <laughs> we're back we're, to independent cinema, hey, baby. Let's go. Hey.
0: Yeah. We're doing a great director, a director that has uh, been around for a Minute, but still is yeah. a director that maybe not a lot of people know about, uh-huh. and that is Mr. Noah Bombak, the yeah. famous Noah Bombak. Uh-huh. We're doing this in honor of the Barbie movie, RB3. <laughs> <laughs> is that we're doing this in honor of? <laughs> is he
1: directing that? Yeah, directing yeah, that, yeah. Is he directing that? Yeah,
0: he's writing, directing. Him and Greta are, um, that's the rumor, right? Uh, yeah, it, uh, writing for sure. He's writing the Barbie movie starring Margot Robbie. But the uh, the rumor is that they're going to direct as well. They're going to co-direct uh, him and Greta.
1: Wasn't the big girl supposed to be in it? Um, yeah, that's
0: way... That's who, down. Who's that? Uh, uh, Re- Rebel Wilson? Yeah, that's not happening. Uh, it's Margot Robbie in the leading role. Okay, okay, uh, okay. But yeah, I mean, he's doing the Barbie movie, man. I mean, apparently that's like hey. the rumor going around. Congrats. That he he's did, at least writing it. He did um, On he, his IMDb, it just says writing, so...
1: Writing. I know you also wrote, uh, you know, the great, fantastic Mr. Fox. Directed mm. by uh, Wes Anderson. That's right. Um, and he also uh, contributed to one of my personal favorite animated film franchises, the Madagascar series, mm. Madagascar 3. Uh, I remember seeing that one in theaters. Uh, Peeped that one, folks. <laughs> uh, so yeah. I think the
0: one that stands out the most to me, and I guess we can just start with this. Mm. Um, what's, what's your favorite uh, Noah Baumbach movie? Favorite Noah Baumbach movie. So that's complicated because I feel like
1: he makes – Similar type they're all very similar type movies. Mm-hmm. Um so they all kind of stand as one piece, but they all say very different things and like mm-hmm. have a variant range of like, you know, ideas and, and 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 issues that they tackle. Um so for me, I mean I remember when the one the one that I watched that first moved me was uh Squid and Well. Mm-hmm. Uh that's more of uh Jeff Daniels, Jesse Eisenberg. Um, it's like a pretty simple family drama, and I said this to you off the mic, but like what, what I really like about Noah Baumbach is that it feels like a naturalistic uh, Wes Anderson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He has a very fluid style. It's like very, it's very, it's not like whereas Wes Anderson has a very expressive style, and he's he's written movies for Wes Anderson, so they have a very similar type of voice. But whereas Wes Anderson is like full of style and has all these like weird and crazy ideas, um, Noah Baumbach is more of a laid back. You know, filmmaker, very stripped down visually, um, just very naturalistic and free-flowing. Um, I know he's talked a lot about his influences being like the French New Wave, you know, filmmakers, um, Jean-Luc Godard and, and Francis Truffaut, and you kind of see that through like the like free-flowing camera movements and all that stuff, so he definitely has a lot of that through his films, but, uh, you know, that Well is up there, uh, Francis Hahn is up there, the documentary he made, De Palma, is is a great documentary. That's right. By it's on Netflix, right? Yeah, or I think it's on Hulu. Or it's one of those.
0: I saw I saw it like four weeks ago, five weeks ago on Netflix. I was on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, okay, where? where Unless where? it's a different De Palma documentary, I don't think yeah. it is. It might. It
1: might be. It might be on Amazon. I don't know, but yeah, that's uh, yeah. He he has a great filmography that I'm, I'm a big fan of. So. What's what's one of your favorites
0: though? Ace, huh? uh, I would definitely say Francis Ha is yeah, the one that stands yeah, out the yeah. most to me. And maybe that's because I'm slight, slightly in love with his wife. I <laughs> uh, got yeah. I just really I think she's very charming and and mm-hmm. I just like her a lot. And I think she stands out the most in that movie. And that's yeah. kind of what that's kind of her call to fame too. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, she's done stuff a ton of stuff before, but that's yeah. that's one of the things that stands out the most.
1: She did a small movie with um with with the uh, the brothers. Oh man, I forgot the the the. the the, the brothers names but the Duffer she, Brothers? Did, not the Duffer Brothers. Uh they were like they I oh man, the indie guys. Anyway, it's, it's gonna come to me eventually. Yeah. Um and then but yeah, the but Francis Ha is like one of the one of the big calling cards it is. That she had and that, that she had and also it, you know, it's a black and white film hmm. um that, you know, kind of transcended the black and white status like of most movies that most movies will have, you know. It actually did I mean, it was mainly an art house, like small independent movie, but even for that standard, it did pretty well and won a lot of Independent Spirit Awards and like all that stuff. So it really was kind of a big, a big like spotlight.
0: On, uh... And I feel like Noah Baumbach is the kind of guy who inspires. Obviously, he inspired his current wife, um, um, Greta Gerwig, mm-hmm. but like he has a very like inspirational style, like the kind of style he has. I feel like a lot of people have kind of mixed with and taken Um, I forget the name the one that that speaking of uh, Greta Gerwig the one that was nominated for a ton of awards um, who did that movie Um, it's the one where it's Three Daughters I think Um, oh um Three Daughters. I know which one you're talking about. 20th Century Woman.
1: Yeah, 20th Century Woman. Yeah, that's a great film. Uh,
0: Directed by Mike Mills. Yeah. Has a very Noah Baumbach kind of style. Yeah, yeah. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, because I think uh, it's it's the authenticity. You know, I think Noah Baumbach, if anything, he's a director slash writer who goes after authenticity, like realistic relationships, realistic ways that people talk to each other.
0: Yeah, let's let's talk about that. I, I mentioned the Nerdwriter video. We have to give him credit because he made a great video talking about Noah Bombak's yeah. super realistic style of dialogue. And, and obviously he mentions, like, the famous people for dialogue are, like, Quentin Tarantino, Aaron Sorkin. But he puts Noah Bombak up there. He says he's one of the best because it's one of the most realistic styles of dialogue yeah. in the sense that people talk over each other, people get off topic, mm-hmm. and it all goes back to defining the character and right. how the way they talk and the and the words that they choose to communicate is always going back to the character and the relationship between the characters. Like yeah. they can be talking about um, how's their new job and you could feel like they're re- What they're really saying is, yeah, yeah. I'm disappointed in you. But they right. could just be like, Oh, that's cool, but well, you know this and that, and then they can kind of get off topic. Right. But they communicate so much by the way they express themselves it, in their communication. It's, it's the
1: subtext, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the subtext under the text. And um, what no, what a lot of screenwriters do. I mean, the technique that they kind of show you in film school is like, you know, you you have a lot of subtext when characters are having conversation, but that subtextual up to the text in some kind of way. Maybe not directly. Maybe. Maybe not, like, the character saying exactly how they feel, but an action being taken, like, you know. The example that, that I, I think of most is uh, American Beauty, when they're having, like, that, that, that dinner scene where everybody at the family's having dinner. And they're literally arguing about nothing, I think, like, passing the peas or whatever. And then um, Kevin, Kevin, you know, Kevin Spacey's character just stands up and starts, like, smashing plates or whatever. And that's just, like, an example of how the subtext in the scene boiled up to a point of, like, externalizing itself. I think that's what um, Noah Baumbach is great at doing within the dialogue. Um, a lot of times the, the conflict that characters are experiencing is uh, coded underneath what they're saying to each other. Um, like the Meyerowitz story, that's the one that was referred to in the Nerdwriter video. Um, I think Squid and well is a great example of that. Like A lot of the conversations that you see between uh, Jeff Daniels and the, the mother in the movie, I forget exactly her name, um, the actress's name, but um, a lot of times the conflict, the conflicts that they uh, are, Laura, Laura Lenny. uh played the, Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of times the conflicts that they have with each other, um, you know, they will argue about like toothpaste or argue about something like so nonsensical. But it was really, you could tell like the strain in their relationship. And you even see, um, and you see how the older, how the boys end up connecting to the dad a lot more because that's who taught them to speak. And that's who taught them. Like their 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 mannerisms and their way of life, and then the and then um, the daughter uh, latches on more onto the mother uh, because she's more f- sympathetic to um, the mother's perspective in general. Um, I think the movie that you know Squid world does a great job of opening itself with that scene of just the the, the two sides of the family playing tennis against each other, mm-hmm. and then um, and then um, Jeff Daniels' character is like telling Jesse Eisenberg like Make sure you hit it on your mom's. On um, weak side because you know she it, she she doesn't have a good backhand, so he keeps doing that. He keeps doing that, and then Jeff Daniels keeps doing that, and then eventually mom catches on. It's like and gets really upset because she knows like she's intentional. They're intentionally poking her. I think that opening scene is kind of the, um, kind of laid the establishment for what that whole movie was going to be about. Is how these these two how the the men or how Jesse Eisenberg. I'm sorry, how Jeff Daniels' character antagonizes Laura Linney's character in the same way that um Jesse Eisenberg and his girlfriend kinda go through their same relationship roles because it's like all underlying insecurity, like all masculine underlying insecurity. But they, they poke weaknesses in their female partner to poke holes in that. So it's very it's very it's very deep. Like I'm I'm always a big fan of like cinema that speaks like outside of what's said. So that's uh I think Noah Baumbach does that spectacularly.
0: And I think a lot of it too is the the acting. And and, and yeah. we have to give credit to the actors, but not just give credit to the actors, but give credit to the writing. Because I feel yeah. like a lot of the time this generation of actors and this generation of movies, they pay a lot of attention to like improv and and the actor could do whatever he wants because the script isn't that great or because right. they're just going a little bit off the script. Not really off the script. Mm-hmm. I personally feel like People who do Noah Baumbach movies are going all off the script, and and the script is just so good that the little details like you talked about, Mm. whether it be emotions or mannerisms, come straight from Noah Baumbach. I think he's that good of a director, and I think the biggest, I've told you before, the biggest example of a great director is the performances he can get out of an actor. And the performances he gets out of every single one of his movies are incredible. Like uh Adam Sandler is is amazing. I Adam think
1: Sandler had a great performance.
0: Great in Marvel, performance. Ben so, yeah. Stiller is great. Yeah, he's a he's a frequent collaborator with Ben Stiller. And he's um, great in, in all of Noah Bomback's movies. Yeah, yeah.
1: Even down to uh Greenberg. Uh I I remember watching Greenberg when I was like kinda younger, it came out in two thousand ten. Um I couldn't really wrap my hand around that movie. Um yeah. but that's kinda like the Ben Stiller that's the Ben Stiller starring kind of uh, you know, role that, that um, that noah because a lot of times he plays side characters in his movies, um but this was like a starring role that Ben Stiller was in um and that movie's very much about like aging and getting old and like how the replicate the repercussions of getting old like really really get to somebody's psyche um so I think that's a, that's also a commonly addressed mm-hmm. kind of issue in a lot of Noah Bomback movies as well I think every character, a lot of characters in his movies are older older gentlemen um dealing with dealing with aging and the fear of aging. Um so that's definitely, that's a big part of it. Uh, but when I was young, I didn't really, I couldn't really wrap my head around that.
0: But you see what I'm what I'm saying about the emotions that a character feels are on the page. Yeah. Do you, do you agree with that? Or yeah. do you feel like, I would just love to get my hands on a Noah, Noah Baumbach script to yeah. confirm my theory. Yeah. But obviously Eyes I don't ran. have one. But yeah. I, I really do feel like if you've read really good scripts, mm. for example, you've read a lot of scripts, right? Yeah. You, you can see like they tell you exactly what they're feeling. Mm, and mm, when you read that as an actor, I'm going to feel exactly what it says on the page. Right, and I think right. Noah Baumbach is really good at that, right, at right. expressing subtext, like you just said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, you know, it,
1: it really depends. I mean, some, you know, a lot of screenwriters kind of leave the screenplays empty. Mm. Um, but I think for the case of Noah Baumbach, he writes a lot of the stuff he directs. So I'm sure in his writing, he uh, expresses a lot more of what, of what the environment and the tone is like. So I think that is pretty helpful for actors. But I think even within the dialogue, you know, uh, we talk about, like, the Corn brothers. Like, the Corn brothers, there's, uh, like, for for the movie Fargo, there's a lot of ums and ahs, like, in that movie. Um, and a lot of people thought that was improv, but in the script you could actually read all of those, like, little hiccups and mistakes. So I think that's also what and that enhances the characterization of uh, of these characters when Noah Baumbach writing them individually.
0: Let, let's name a few directors. You mentioned the Coens that, that have that same, you know, like yeah. it's in the script kind of thing. Do you think Tarantino? I think Tarantino is one of those directors oh, yeah, who 100%. like the actors know exactly what they're getting uh-huh. um, because, I mean, obviously there was that funny quote from, uh, I forget her name, Kevin Smith's daughter. Uh, I don't it, know if you saw that uh, quote that uh, said that Tar- I've never worked with a director that tells me exactly like in all caps uh-huh. what to to do what to say and exactly how to do it and how to say it. Uh, that's Tarantino she, in a nutshell. Was she in a? She was in a, a, a Once Upon a Time. Yeah, no, I'm wait, assuming it's like she. a small part or something. I haven't seen the movie. Full disclosure. Yeah. But, um But either way, that's, that's a lot of small parts. That that a movie. Lot, exactly. It's yeah. a big cast. But it, but it's an example of a, a director who who pretty much knows this is exactly what we're getting versus a director like a Taika Waititi who. A lot of it is improv. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Most yeah. of his movies are a lot improv mm, um, mm. And they and they do different lines and different reads, mm-hmm. just based just on set, and he right. can just feed you lines, or you can feed him lines. Right. But I feel like Noah Bompak is the kind of guy, like you said, like the Cohen brothers, who are known for putting in little details inside their dialogue yeah. to express the character.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, and going back to that writer video, one of the things he points out is just in the characterization of. Adam Sandler, because he, he references one of the scenes where Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller are walking in the hospital together. And you can, you can see very distinctly that Ben Stiller's character is hot. You know, he, has, he holds his head high. He's very confident. He's very, like, walking. But he's, like, kind of hiding his insecurity under him. Whereas Adam Sandler's character kind of outwardly expresses his insecurity and kind of mumbles. And it has, like, this nervous tick a lot. Uh, but and within he's he's very confident about what he's saying, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's it's great that he that there's a flip and dynamic to what the characters are doing and what they're actually feeling in the inside. It, it adds a lot more complexity and layers to uh, to, the, to the overall piece.
0: What do you think about um, the comedy in his movies? Cause- Pretty much all his movies are are dramatic in in some Dramedies, I say dramedies. is always the, I I feel like it's overused a little bit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which is kind of why I I separate the two, Uh because I still feel like they're dramas if I had to pick. But dramedies is still the the word that people like to use. So yeah, dramedy, it's a perfect word for it. Um, What do you think about that? How how it kind of meshes between the kind of serious topics they're talking about within the family, but still bringing in the natural... Comedy that you would get out of a situation where you're having these intense conversations with your family.
1: Yeah, it's. it's it, I think it definitely. Again, I think it's funny because it's realistic. I think that's the main reason why people latch on to it like very, very strongly. I think uh, you know. I think especially with Noah Baumbach films, um, his characters have a very, uh, tend a lot of tendencies to be kind of blunt, especially the older characters in the movies. Um, they have a very much natural tendency to just say it how it is. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest reasons why um a lot of it comes off funny. It comes off but it's also sincere because it's everybody has those people in their family. Um but I think I think comedically, I mean I think dramatically, I think a lot of his films fall on the dramatic side too. I think Francis Ha, when I think of Francis Ha, it's it's a great comedy and the situations that's happening, but I think at his heart it's kind of a starchly I wanna say depressing story, but it's it's very is very much about the, the mundaneness in like the day-to-day life of somebody who doesn't really know where their life is headed who doesn't really have a clear ambition you know and while his while the older characters in his movies are usually dealing with like the fear of aging and the fear of like dying, a lot of his younger characters are dealing with the uncertainty of the
0: future. Speaking of which, let's start with the 1995 film *Kicking and Screaming*. Yeah, Speaking yeah. Speaking of that uncertainty, that's kind of the the, the topic he tackles inside mm. this movie. Right, right uh right. what stands out to you with kicking and screaming it's um, his a uh, feature debut his Feature
1: debut yeah i mean it's a very it's and a very all of his
0: i just read the the runtime a mm. buck uh, 36. it's yeah. crazy how like most of his movies are kind of short yeah maybe yeah. i'm just thinking of francis haw is really short right right and uh splitting the world is only a buck 20. that's what i'm saying um and i think i think that's refreshing yeah RB3.
1: it's and, you know <laughs> and again like i think uh, he talks a lot about his influences being like french films a lot of French films are very short. It's like true. a lot of them are like 60, 70, 80 minutes, um, which I think is beautiful. <laughs> I, I love to to get back to that. Me too. To that to that reality. I, I just
0: but, uh, I, I saw a Crawl like a week or two weeks ago. Yeah, and that's, that's an- another like a buck thirty. Yeah, and I was just like, that's perfect. Buck yeah, thirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give me that. Yeah, no that's more all three, I need.
1: Three-hour three Avengers movies. I think that's every, what I was saying. Every, three hours the of
0: making a comeback. Yeah, <laughs> but it's refreshing to watch a movie, mm-hmm. I, and I, I feel like a lot of it has to do with the fact that it's indie and stuff like that. Where yeah, it's che- it has to be it cheaper. Has to be cheaper. Um, um, that's was, something that Spike Lee did. Yeah. A few of his first movies were were, were on, shorter, on, the, yeah. on the buck thirty side. I feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, I might be wrong.
1: Yeah, she got to have it. Was pretty short. Days yeah. was Pretty short. Um, do the right thing was a little longer um but I Malcolm think X is like the longest movie ever Malcolm X is about four hours yeah. when I have kids one day there's gonna be a mandatory
0: screening every month of that movie yeah uh, that's that's my movie man yeah. I was watching that the other day actually man. I'm still I'm still so fascinated by and, and I'm, I'm I'm staying on topic but I'm still yeah. slightly going to the right off topic um by runtimes and and the idea of like I feel like what's happening now. I just binged um, the boys
1: yeah.
0: on Amazon using mm. <laughs> using your account. Hey, uh, I got I got to exploit it, man. I got to yeah,
1: use it, man. I'm not using it. Um, I haven't seen it, but I, but it's an
0: eight hour movie. It's an eight hour movie. Stranger Things, uh, eight hour movie, and uh, that's like, like a TV show, eight so episodes, like, oh, right? Oh, yeah. But they're all hour, an hour long, eight hours, and you can flash out so much more RV three mm. in a TV show nowadays. Um, whether it be a, a Breaking Bad or, or, or a Sopranos or whatever you want to name that's so character-centered that you can just, like, squeeze every last bit of character from your main protagonist. And, it, and it's it's really refreshing. And it's interesting to see movies like Malcolm X. It's, like, so much information. How do you express so much of a character inside a short runtime? As a director, yeah. I'll ask you.
1: Um, well, I think a lot a lot of people, uh, and I think a lot of filmmakers today really struggle with the idea of brevity. You know, I think that's one of the kind of lost arts that I think yeah. is is kind of. And I, I saw a tweet. I saw a great tweet. I forgot who tweeted it um, about the Lion King remake. And you know, I hate trending on this movie again, but um, somebody said it's remarkable how uh, the live action Lion oh, King is twenty a, minutes longer. Yeah, is is an hour is an hour and fifty six minutes. It had to cut scenes. In the original hour thirty runtime, like wait, what? <laughs> yeah, so it's it's like we, yeah. I mean that is that is a problem because I think a lot of times the 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 consensus that comes around is like slower pacing is more dramatic, slower, you know, it's slower. You know, if if you have a slow movie, it's, it's to indicate its importance, uh, and I don't necessarily think that's true. I don't like movies that are slow just for the point of being slow. Okay,
0: because uh, I, I love slow movies, but not for nah, the, just, just just for to the. Be I
1: think, man. I, again, I hate to seem like I'm hating, but I'm going back to Blade Runner 2049. There was one scene in that movie that even even as many times as I'm trying to forget me. this movie today, uh, where Jared Leto was doing something. I forgot what he was doing. He was, like, putting something into uh, to a computer, and we're literally sitting there for 10 minutes. Like, 10 minutes watching nothing. Yeah. Like, come on, that's just being excessive. Uh, but, like,
0: but Roma? Did you see? Did you like yeah, Roma? I like Roma Memories. a lot. Yeah.
1: Oh. yeah, I mean, it's slow, but it's not— but Like it's, mundane it's, slow. But it's like hour, she's like But it's like, cleaning—
0: two, yeah, and it's just ten minutes of her clean.
1: Yeah, but it's too and but you're it's like, like, What's happening? Well, you know, I feel like Roma is a more nostalgic piece. Sure. That's why I feel like that one is is you know it, the slowness is to resemble the and the camera's the, the super memory. slow. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like it
0: moves like this slow, like yeah, centimeters.
1: Almost like two hours and thirty minutes, right? Oh, two, I, forgot, two, I don't know. Two, I but um, but the same thing with um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's, oh, that's a, another movie. Yeah, that's a slow movie. I mean, it's very slow. Um, But it's slow because in the same way that Roma is about the nostalgia of childhood and the nostalgia of the nostalgia of Fonzo Caron's childhood, at least. And like growing up in a maze house, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is very much a nostalgia piece for Tarantino of like that time period. Interesting. Yeah.
0: I don't know. One that comes to my head that I love and I was low key rewatching the other day. Um, a ghost story, a movie you haven't seen yet, right?
1: Oh, I saw it. We oh, talked about this. we have we talked saw, about yeah, it. Yeah, I saw it at Starbucks, and I can, I can, I can That's right. That I can movie
0: is another movie that's like an hour 30 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And man. it's slow.
1: Yeah, that's an <laughs> hour I thirty. Leave. You could t- you could chop in the thirty, man. You can chop that in the thirty. <laughs>
0: that could be a thirty minute movie. Yeah, man. There's some shots that just most shots don't move. Yeah, <laughs> they're just static shots and they just sit there and I love it. I yeah. was eating that up, man, just like she ate that pie. Uh, um, but let's get back to kicking and screaming. What, what yeah. stands out to you about this movie? Um,
1: yeah, it's just the, it's just the energy, it's the vibe. You know, mm. I think I think more than anything. Um, When the director has a vibe, that's really when they latch on. Uh, It it came out, like, during a big time in the the independent movement, in the 1990s, late 80s, through the 90s, mid-90s.
0: Yeah, especially 90s, for sure. Yeah, it was a
1: big time where a lot of independent cinema was, like, breaking out. Um, This, you know, obviously came out around the same time as, like, Clerks. And um, a lot of, I mean, you see a lot of these type of movies that were coming out of, like, Sundance. Wes Anderson has his version of of this kind of movie. I mean, a lot of filmmakers who, who... Spike Jonze has a version of this, I'm sure. Well, maybe not, because um, he only has, like, eight movies. I don't even think he has eight. He has, like, four. Um, but his, but these are very, like, these are very loose, like, kind of, He just let's point the camera and let's, uh, and let's just have a good time and have a fun time with, like, these characters. But to also show you the depth of how good they are as either a writer or a director. So... Uh, this is definitely that time it's period.
0: definitely working with a budget right yeah that's kind of yeah, the idea yeah, where i can yeah. shoot this in an apartment i can shoot this with a few people yeah it's not going to cost too it's much. like the
1: mumble i mean people criticize mumblecore now but that's this was like really people mumblecore. criticize
0: it i thought people loved it
1: uh i hear people criticizing it do I you mean, like mumblecore um, I think it's cool. I mean, it depends on who. It depends on who's doing it. Yeah. People. I think people use it for the wrong things. People call Atlanta mumblecore, and I don't think that's mumblecore. Oh, I don't think that's mumblecore no, at all. No, no, no. People call that mumblecore. Really? Um, people call. I just. I feel like people call things mumblecore that, that isn't mumblecore. Okay. But, I agree. Yeah, I, I just don't agree with the placement of the term, but I, for sure. I, I do like the genre. Yeah, yeah.
0: Would you consider Noah mumble mumblecore? Um.
1: Not necessarily. I mean, I would consider some elements of this kind of kind of that, but I think a lot of... I mean, I think what mumblecore is derived from this. You know what I mean? I think a lot of what mumblecore is in today's context, in, like, the early 2000s to, like, today's context, derives from what independent filmmaking was in the
0: 90s. And and, so. and just because uh, just, uh, I'm realizing something, just to clarify for the audiences, people who don't know what mumblecore is, can you quickly give a definition? Well, it's just the the
1: whole idea of mumblecore is just like a movie or a TV show, most likely a movie about people just doing nothing and just being teenagers and wasting their life and time. You know, really, that's your definition. Interesting. That's what I think a lot of people consider. Yeah. Okay. What would you consider it that way? Like? Uh,
0: I, I, similar, but not quite. As far as like they just do nothing, I feel like yeah. it's just centered on dialogue. Yeah, centered uh, on dialogue. And centered yeah. on, like, on like a super day in mundane life. dialogue. Yeah, yeah, a day in the life of... Like, talking about nothing Yeah, yeah. And, and talking about it in a very, like, realistic manner.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, right. or a lot of times it's improv, too. That's We're what improv- I'm yeah. trying to think of these fucking guys' names, man. Damn, good. Um, what's the What's the name of that movie with uh, My Name is Jeff? They directed My Name is Jeff. Um, anyway, I'll get back to it. Either way, uh, but yeah, that's what stands out. From that's the kicking and screaming. Is, that's not it. But yeah, uh,
0: yeah, I, I <laughs> You're thinking think, yeah, I think of Twenty Two Jump Street. Yeah, my name is Yev. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Going to explicit detail. There was, uh, there was Dora. <laughs> yeah, and yeah,
1: Diego. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, that's the beauty. I mean, that, but yeah, I I think what what Mumblecore is uh, derives from what independent cinema was in the '90s, and I think Noah Baumbach, uh was influenced by his contemporaries and uh, continued to influence. Who do you feel like is the creator
0: forward. of that, or the or the flagship runner? Um, that's a good question. You I know, mean, I think. Do you feel like it just came in general, like from indie movies? I think it just came from. You know, film school, you know, young yeah. film school, young 90s It came from, because I've done a lot of short films. Just, yeah. And, and I've, I've been on sets where it's like, right. this is something where it's like, right. we have no money. Let's just shoot a dinner scene. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Where people are talking. And right. that's kind of like, oh, well, we got no money. Right. So that's what well, we got
1: to do. I think what inspired people is, I think a lot of people saw uh, Reservoir Dogs and was like, oh, this Hundred. movie. That's this such movie, a good point. This movie has no, like has one setting. And everybody thought they could do that to some extent. That's such a good point. Um, yeah. yeah I that's think, a good res- I think Reservoir Dogs and I think Sex, Lies, and Videotapes too mm. from Steven Soderbergh. I think not necessarily like directly. I think more directly Reservoir Dogs. But I think Sex, Lies, and Videotapes because that's the one that kind of put film festivals on the map to, to allow that to kind of be to- the culture. Hundred percent.
0: Um, let's move on to 1987, Mr. Jealousy. Is this a movie you've seen, RB3? Uh, I don't think I've actually uh, <laughs> seen this one. Um, I don't think so. I have either. Um, it looks like interesting. Yeah, this is uh this is one I've missed. RB3 full disclosure.
1: Yeah, I missed this one too. Uh, to be fair, this has like a only a thousand people said they watched it on IMDb. So, <laughs> um, looks like we're not missing out much. But uh, yeah, I don't think he really had another big, big one till the squid and the whale. I think yeah, yeah, that's the
0: next one that comes up on the IMDb is the squid and the whale. So let's let's talk about it, man. What mm-hmm. uh, what stands out for for you from this woman, and what's your connection towards the movie? Because you, you mentioned you had a connection.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I just I I mean, not necessarily a, a connection, but I just really enjoy I just really enjoy this type of story. I really enjoy family stories. Um, I really enjoy um, seeing. Uh, just kind of it feels honest you know what I mean mm-hmm. it feels like something that he that he maybe dealt with growing up you know some of the things that in this movie maybe he kind of dealt with personally growing up or if not he kind of imagined it, a lot of that growing up um, I, again I think the father and son relationship in this movie is very realistic I think it's very easily for it's very easy for men to kind of be influenced by the male figure in their life um, and and You know, and coming to that realization that that male figure might not be the best influence on you or might not be the best person in general. So I think that I think the movie addresses that really well. I think the movie uh, talks about young coming of age pretty well with the with the youngest uh, brother. Um, There's like this hilarious like masturbation scene that happens like in a locker or something like that. Uh, It's just because the but it's because the movies about these parents going through a divorce. Um, and how each child is kind of individually coping with that in and of themselves. So I think in that respect, it's very it's very honest and realistic to what And it's, it's very just, relatable, it's, right? Yeah, super relatable.
0: Everyone has issues with their parents, whether they're getting divorced or not. I mean, a divorce in general is it's incredibly relatable. Right. Um, but just the idea that, that growing up in a household where your parents are separating or, or where they're tension between your parents. It's kind of awful, mm-hmm. RP3. Yeah. I mean, that's... <laughs> it's that's, kind of bad. I mean, that's that's and what It makes is. you feel like yep. shit when you're a kid.
1: It'll make people just do like weird, weird things. Like, yeah. it'll just make
0: people, you know, it'll just just—it'll really break somebody's heart who's like really attached to their parents. 100%. So. And I feel like that's something that a lot of movies tackle. Obviously, this isn't breaking news or anything, but I feel mm-hmm. like it's something that American culture, I don't want to say ignores, but I feel like they pay enough attention to it, if that makes sense. They don't mm-hmm. really pay enough attention to... Households and parenting and mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that goes down because there's a there's a lot of tragedy, and and by tragedy I don't mean actual tragedy I just mean like relationship tragedy right. when it comes to the parent son or parent daughter relationship yeah. mother daughter mother son whatever it is, mm-hmm. so that's an incredibly relatable topic and the fact that it's very short the fact that it the dialogue is there the fact that it's Jeff Daniels and Laura Linney yeah I mean all that kind of plays hand into the amount of character that you can get within this runtime because like i mentioned before this is a a shorter runtime and you yet yet you can get so much out of these characters Mm -hmm. and you mentioned the opening scene do you feel like that that pretty much establishes it right Yeah, it
1: kind of sets the tone um and it really sets the tone for also um how divorced parents um have to cope with dealing have to cope with parenting um, children while going through a divorce and because there's a lot of scenes where Jesse Eisenberg is hanging out with uh, Laura Linney's character, hanging out with his mom but uh, or staying with her for that weekend and he's like very upset, very irritable, like giving her a really hard time because he's mainly living with his dad and is mainly getting that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and then but then whenever, you know, but then all, as time builds and as the movie goes on, he starts to see um, how kind of lackluster his dad really is as a person um, so it's, it's a growing you know it's about growing it's about understanding people uh, as you're growing up and it's about how the influence of your parents kind of leakage kind of leaks down into you and how you're either going to choose to um, change or if you're going to Uh, buy into that
0: so and I feel like like I mentioned before relationships with parents is something so relatable whether you're you know everyone has a dad or mom or everyone has a relationship with a parent right Um, so it's something that I feel like every person who watches a movie brings in their own views on relationships um, with your parents or in their own parents in general into each character at least that's what I do and I feel like a lot of people do that where they're like, how would I react to the situation or if I can relate to that? Maybe that's why I like Ladybird so much. Even though I'm not a 15-year-old white girl living in Sacramento, mm-hmm. I could still low-key kind of relate mm-hmm. um, with Saoirse Ronan's character mm-hmm. because of that kind of strain between her and her mother or even her and her father where she kind of just ignores her dad Mm -hmm. Um, because that's real and sometimes dad feels like dad feels ignored because he's a quieter dude right um and that's such a like grounded concept to relating to audiences where audiences Mm -hmm. can feel like oh i don't talk about that but i can see it on screen right right right, so maybe that's that's what i got out Mm -hmm. of it is Mm -hmm. like oh i have had to deal with that so Mm -hmm. i can relate to that as well um, and th- maybe that's just cause I have a closer relationship with my parents as well. So mm-hmm. that's something that's personal to me. Whereas right. other people might not.
1: Right, right, right. Exactly. As a kid
0: growing in high school, man, um, I just, it was, it was baffling to me, RB3, maybe cause I, I grew up in a very different household to say the least, mm-hmm. um, where pe- pe- teenagers, and, and I feel like obviously a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're teenagers but they didn't really talk to their parents like at all. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> like in right. all the high school movies too, you kind of see that they don't mm. really talk to their parents at all. Versus me, mm. I always did, and I always felt like kind of weird. Yeah. I always felt kind of out of place because I was like, I-, I talk to my mom. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> She's right, cool. Right. right, right, right. Uh, versus other kids who are like, oh no, I don't talk. But you're the only child, right? No, no, no. I'm oh, not. Oh. definitely not. No. no, no. no, Well, for
1: me it was different. I was the only child, got so you, you, just, got you gotta hang out with your parents a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it. You know, it depends. Depends on the kind of parents, I guess. Sure. Depends on how much you like being at home. Yeah. Ah, I definitely
0: think that's a big part of it. But but um, what I'm trying to say is that's kind of my relationship to this movie is right, because right. I, I got it. I was like, right. I get that. I mm. totally get that. Yeah. Um, let's move on to one more before we go to break. Um, there's Margot at the wedding and there's Greenberg. Uh-huh. Um, for me, the one that stands out the most is Greenberg. Yeah. Um, did you see Margot at the wedding?
1: Um, I think I saw this a minute ago but I'm necessarily not sure if I remember like yeah let's let's jump to uh,
0: let's jump to Greenberg starring Ben Stiller
1: yeah
0: Um, you, you mentioned that you didn't quite connect to this movie as much as you thought you would yeah
1: when I was younger I mean listen bro whenever you know when you're a kid and you see a movie on HBO and it's R-rated you're looking for one thing <laughs> alright so I was looking for, for <laughs> damn for bro something. really yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for
0: a story
1: no, oh, I'm oh man get out of here <laughs> what are you talking about Um, so I was looking for some titties nah but I think there there, there maybe at, at one point there was in this film um but <laughs> I do the uh, whole
0: like I'm looking for heart
1: uh, yeah yeah I'm <laughs> looking for the heart you know yeah. what I'm saying yeah I don't know about all that but uh but this but, is between, kind of but between the titties it was a good it was a pretty compelling story yeah I mean but it was this just something is, I, I was young so this
0: is something that like This is Ben Stiller low-key flexing his acting muscles, right? Because I feel like before this, Ben Stiller had—this is 2010. Before this, we had, like, what is it called? Meet the Parents. Yeah. Uh, We we had the usual Ben Stiller, goofy, comedy guy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this obviously still has comedic Ben Stiller, but it's in a very different light, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not a pure comedy. Yeah, if, if I'm trying to say it he, right.
1: um, I think this is during the time he also did uh, the secret life of Walter Mitty. Is that uh, really? Yeah, did tw- that come out? I uh, feel like that... oh, I 2013. Oh, yeah, 2013. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but around the time. Yeah, yeah. but Watch that's when Mitty Ben was Stiller the of, of the Yeah, movie.
0: but that's when Ben Stiller was trying to be different and trying to be creative and trying to think outside the box. Yeah,
1: yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I missed that era, man. I haven't seen him in nothing good in a minute. Um, besides yeah. Myerwood story, he's great, dude. Um, he's such yeah. a good actor. He's great. Yeah, he should act more. That
0: trailer for for Secret Life of Walter Mitty is still like yeah, that trailer is one amazing. of the best indie trailers I think I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean not indie. It was a hundred million dollar budget, well, but yeah, <laughs> indie, indie, one of the right. best like non Godzilla, non Superman yeah, trailer. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But that's a, that's another man. That's another one we gotta get at MGM for man. MGM remaking another one of the classics. Yeah. Uh, but Ben Stiller actually directed that one, so salute him yeah, so for that. I think that was his first, right? Um, it might have been. That's a big yeah. first movie. Jesus, I mean. It's ben a Stiller, re- man. A remake of a classic uh, MGM.
0: I know he works on TV now, and I know, I'm sorry, I apologize to everyone because we're getting slightly off topic talking about Ben Stiller. Oh, he
1: directed, uh, he directed Tropic Island.
0: Oh, he directed Tropic Island? Yeah, I didn't know he directed Tropic Island. Tropic Island or Tropic Thunder? Tropic Thunder. What
1: am I talking about? Tropic Um
0: Island? So I know he did, oh, yeah, Escape at Dana Ram, Dana Ram, Dana Mora which one's that one it's this uh, I think it's a Showtime show that people like loved and got a ton of nominations he directed it he directed it he directed oh, the shoot. whole show Dang. Um, but yeah, either that. way guys we're gonna be keep talking about Noah Baumbach coming up after the break make sure you stick around because we're gonna be talking about our favorite movies of his and we're gonna talk about his newest movie so make sure you stick around all right, guys, we are back talking about Noah Bombback films. Let's jump right into the next film we have on our list, and that is 2012 Francis Ha, man. Yeah. I feel like this is one that people remember him quite a bit for, I mean, as much as they remember Greta Gerwig. I, I mean, I'm sure you yeah. have different thoughts on that. Maybe that's just because I think of that as mm, well. But mm. we talked a little bit about it in the beginning, but let's kind of get a little bit more deeper into the story. Mm. Uh, it is kind of like a, a girl kind of trying to find her place um, yeah. in the city in the world it's it's set in New York so it's a very New York type movie yeah. as far as like the kind, the kind of New York mm. shows and movies we get about right. people trying to survive mm. in New York City
1: yeah um, I mean it's uh, you know one of the influences also too is uh, the Magnolia I'm not Magnolia it's Jesus um, Manhattan uh, you know from uh, yeah, Woody Allen um, but yeah that, that was definitely one of the inspirations especially with the black and white too that's that's a big. That's a big piece of like capturing, New York youth, you know.
0: Yeah, and and it has a little bit of a, obviously she she is at a dance company, and it's kind of the ironic, typical New York, like everyone is inside some sort of dance studio, <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. At least the vibe I get because I've never been to New York, but it always feels <laughs> like every New York thing is always talking about dancing in some sort of way where it's like a huge deal. Yeah, um, there was a New joke. York.
1: Huh? New York.
0: There was a joke I heard the other day talking about how the New York Times always, they they rather talk about like any other thing, they would just choose dancing (laughs) and pick up on one topic. (laughs) Uh, But it's like a big deal in New York, apparently. My friend uh, moved out there um, to do dancing and to do Broadway and to do all that stuff because she was a dancer out here in LA. And uh, I have a little bit of connection to the dance community Mm. um, because of my brother. Okay. I think I've told you that, right?
1: Oh. I, Have I told him? I thought he was a
0: stunt guy. He is a stunt guy. Stunt, yeah. stunt slash dance. Oh, okay. um, but yeah, the the dance stuff is is a little bit less than the stunt stuff. Uh-huh. Um, I can show you some stuff later. But yeah. but, again, but again, I know a lot of dancers. I guess it's tr- what I'm trying to say. I like a ton of dancers, because mm. um, that's the first thing I met. I was on a shoot, literally like my second day in L.A., I was on a shoot in a, in a dance studio. Mm. Uh, and I just met like a thin dancer. so yeah. I'm friends with them. So I feel I, I relate to Greta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. No, not quite. But either way, man, this yeah, is a. It, it, I feel it. This is a movie trying to find. You're going through her character, and she's trying to find her footing. Do Do you felt Did you feel like she got a connection right away with you in this movie? Because I, yeah. I that's how I felt personally.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's very relatable to anybody. Kind um, <clears> of. <throat> kind of pursuing the creative arts, um, the kind of struggle of you finding what what motivates you, what inspires you, um, and also while surviving, too. I mean, that's a big piece of it, too. Like, how can you make money to to keep pursuing your art form? And are you willing to give up? Are you willing to bend to to get there? Um, so it's definitely a movie that... Uh, it's definitely one of those movies that uh, that talks... That touches a lot on that, and I mm-hmm. think is one of those movies that um, emphasize how... How human, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, these hippies, these, you know, artists are artistic types. They don't want to do nothing with their lives. They're lazy, all that. And while a lot of that is true for a Gerwig's character in this movie. Um, it, is, it is also very relatable to the extent that everybody has been to that place and everybody wants to um, pursue their dreams and do what they love. But uh, reality hits a little harder um, when it comes to, like, relationships with your parents, relationships with, like, you know, roommates particularly with roommates. I mean, I think at the heart of this movie, this movie is uh, is about friendship mm. uh, between the two main characters, between Fran and, um, and, um, and Sophia. Mm. Um, so uh, I think overall, I think this movie does a great job of capturing all of that. I think it's stylistically, again, like the black and white helps add to the nostalgia factor of it.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, um, what do you think he chose black and white?
1: Um, I think, you know, again, like I said, it was inspired by like Manhattan, I'm inspired by, like, French, French, you know, New Wave stuff, uh, you know, um, Jean-Luc Godard, Francis Truffaut, like, all these old French movies. Um, and, you know, particularly, like, Cleo by the Apartment is one, is one that I think of that's also a big influence in particular. Um, and I think all of these films have a very humanistic uh, kind of perspective, very minimalist, kind of stylized, you know, it's really just kind of static shots or... You know, kind of walking shots or something like that. But yeah. I very feel, meticulous camera work.
0: I feel like that's an almost, no, I'm not going to say every black and white movie, but every recent black and white movie feels like mm-hmm. that's one of the themes in the movie, right? Whether it be Roma, mm-hmm. whether it be, what, Nebraska. Yeah. I, maybe those are just the two off top right. of my head but right. I feel like what you just said yeah. it's very minimalistic in yeah. the sense of the camera movement in the sense of mm-hmm. the story plot movement yeah right
1: yeah I think a lot of I think a lot of these uh, I think a lot of these films are paying homage to um, the genres that are inspiring them uh, by going black and white and by using this minimal camera work and by heavy focus on content heavy focus on dialogue heavy focus on script uh, Like like you said you know um, I was reading the IMDb trivia for this uh, briefly, and one of the things it said that this, uh, like we were talking about in the first half of the, con- in the podcast, contrary to thinking like it's a very loose and improvisational dialogue, is actually very tight, tightly written, and tightly scripted. Um, but you can see that in the performances that, that uh, eke, eke out through this film, um, especially with Greta Gerwig, like I said, it's kind of a star making uh, performance. Um, I also think um, the editing in this movie. Is very is very very well done. Um, I, I was in an editing class uh, uh, taught by his dude Alex Jamblowski, great great guy at USC, and um, he was uh, he showed us one of the the scenes from this movie, the montage um, from this movie. Like uh, it's a very unconventional type of montage because you know most montages you expect quick cuts, like quick changes in between time, music under here. Um, this the montage the montage slash montages in a lot of Noah Baumbach movies are very much just, like, slices slices of life. Like, here's a piece of the day. Like, you know, it's, it's not, like, a quick cut. It's, like, you spend 30 seconds, you know, of... You spend, like, maybe not 30 seconds, but it'll show, like, 10, 10 20 seconds of...
0: Yeah, like a few seconds. Like, you no, know, yeah, a
1: few yeah, a few seconds of, like, people, you know, picking, picking up their daughter from the airport and then going home and then eating Thanksgiving dinner and then just being very matter-of-fact with... Um, the, the time period that changes, you know, it feels quick, but it feels slow at the same time. Mm. Uh, and I think that goes to invoke like a lot of the sense of memories that we have, because a lot of times when we remember things in the moment, it feels really slow. But when you look, reflect back on that time, it feels like a really fast time period. It feels like it, time has just been flying. So I think this is a very intelligent way of communicating that through the editing.
0: Absolutely. Um, so Yeah. And, and a lot of it, too, has to do uh, like we, like you just mentioned as well about Greta Gerwig and her she's just naturally super charming yeah um, and she's even throughout this entire movie that's kind of what stands out the most to me right is her charm and, and that kind of drives the entire movie mm. but it's interesting because black and white is definitely like like people nowadays say a choice <laughs> um, it's a choice yeah um, and it definitely says a lot without saying anything i guess Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so let's move on to while we're young rb3 yeah
1: this one uh you know adam driver was in francis high returns with another collaboration that's right Um, shout
0: out to kylo Ren.
1: yeah 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 solo yeah this is a great movie um you know um it's, it's about it's about young it's about older people older married couple Wanting to connect to their youth again, so they're trying to be buddy buddy best friends with this young couple, um, and uh, you know, it's about trying to re- regain your youth, but at the con- at what consequences, you know? Yeah. Because we later find out that you know, Adam Driver is m- kind of more or less like a sleazy guy, and uh, you know, like all like the young like the young people in this movie are just kind of like you know whatever, which is a pretty negative portrayal of young people, I'd say. Uh, but, I mean, I don't know. Do did you, did
0: you see this one? Or? I did see this one. Uh, do you feel like that's a negative portrayal of young people or young people in this, like, world? <laughs> uh, young people, what do you mean? Like,
1: like in this setting. Oh, and, like, New York, yeah. like, Dream Chasers. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's very much, I mean, because one of the things that this movie explores is that the wife, she's the daughter of, like, this famous documentary filmmaker who's, like, never really named. Yeah. And then... um. And then Adam Driver's character really is only interested in being friends with these people just so he could get to meet uh, her dad, you know? And that's very much—I do think that's very much a today generation type thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm thinking of a word or be three. Cloud chasers? No. Uh, I'm
0: thinking of another—I mean, besides that, what you said, like— yeah the word hipster comes uh, through hipster. <laughs> oh yeah 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 yeah. oh they're definitely hipsters yeah 100% <laughs> that's what I'm saying yeah bro.
1: yeah I mean they're very yeah they're very hipsterish very much you know th- this is New York but they're in LA they'll be living in Silver Lake and, and all that jazz. hipsters
0: are everywhere bro yeah. don't, don't don't put them in a box Yeah, but I see I mean, hipsters everywhere have you been to Silver Lake though? no or? that's right yeah yeah, yeah so, uh, <laughs> we're, we're talking about LA but I gotta say man the hipster yeah. community in Phoenix yeah being from Phoenix there? yeah whoo- are they like country hipsters? They're everywhere, bro. Are they like country hipsters? Not or? really. They're hipster hipsters. damn. <laughs> They're full blown, hundred yeah. percent in their blood hipsters. <laughs> it's it's real, bro. Wearing yeah. the fedoras and everything. Yeah, the fedoras. Yeah, the, the, fedora. the crazy enormous coffee shops that have yeah. random shit. Yeah, that's yeah. Sh- that's real, bro. Yeah. When I went back for Christmas, I, I went to hang out with a friend of mine um, mm. from high school, mm. um, and we. I went inside. A, a, she <laughs> invited me to a coffee. She she's like, "Let's meet at this crazy cool coffee shop in right. downtown Phoenix." Mm downtown phoenix um and i went and i was like yo <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> with yeah. my star wars shirt and i'm uh, just like uh, uh, everyone in there is wearing like a button and but a yeah, surf a flannel, and flannel flannel yeah, on top yeah, yeah. fedora yeah <laughs> rolled up pants <laughs> yeah <laughs> all the,
1: like halfway through their knees they're the, the riding bikes there's no car there's riding no parking bikes lives, only i'm a telling you man rack.
0: Hipster community in Phoenix is real. Yeah, Believe yeah, the hype. Yeah. Um, so I think it's more like an, an- – instead of young, anti-millennials, anti like mill- – anti- yeah, the perception of millennials an- is like, yeah, you know, they're hipster. hipster. Yeah. Um At least that's the thing I got from Adam Driver's character in this movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're definitely hipsters. I mean, he's also a piece of doo-doo to his girlfriend, too. Yeah. Which, by the way, we got to give Adam credit more pr- – more. Dude, we got Adam he's such Driver a good actor, man. For, yeah, being – Especially for playing like the the, the, the bad boyfriends, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> he did that for like the first two seasons of Girls, I think. Yeah, that's the only two seasons of that I watched. Yeah, uh, I didn't. Then, I
0: only saw a couple episodes, but I remember the Adam Driver episodes. Yeah, yeah, 100%. yeah,
1: yeah. And then this, and you know, I think that's the... Kylo.
0: Yeah, I mean, is he a is he a bad boyfriend
1: in that? We've, yeah, we have to see. He low we've key got to is. See. Yeah, we've got to. I'm sure he he will hey, be episode nine, baby. Let's go. Yeah, hopefully he's not you know. JJ brings it home, but uh, you know, yeah, this movie, this movie, this movie's interesting, to say the least. I, I wouldn't call it one Noah Baumbach's best, sure, but uh, you know, it again, it's another one that deals with aging. That's another one, you know, with Ben Stiller in his lab, last collaboration with Greenberg. Um, it's kind of like both sides of the coin between Greenberg and Francis Hahn, the young and the, and the old. Um, so that's uh, exactly
0: it. I'm with it. Uh, did you see Mistress America? Mistress America I'm yeah, 100% another...
1: sure. No. Oh,
0: but before before before
1: I wanted to oh, I, yeah. I left um before I left while we were young, one thing that also stood out to me about this movie um is also in the fact that the fa- the father and the father-daughter or father-son relationship in this movie is similar to um the 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 father child relationship in a lot of Noah Baumbach's movies except with Naomi Watts character she has a hard time giving her father recognition for his accomplishments and want to kind of do everything on her own and be independent um you know that's that's kind of the that's kind of the connection there so absolutely
0: yeah, yeah it's a theme we see in pretty much all his movies right yeah yeah 100%. I, I mean it, it always has something to do with that right um but if I'm if I'm being honest I think I've missed this one it's another Greta Gerwig starring movie it's in um, America, yeah. I think I have it a, says, a lonely college freshman's life is turned upside down by her impetuous, adventurous stepsister-to-be. I mean, um, it looks really good,
1: though. I mean... Yeah, it
0: looks fun. Yeah. Um, I guess if, I'm missing these
1: female-centric movies. Ace, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> kidding, man. That's great. Um, and then, of course, I mean, De Palma is...
0: Uh, Let's talk about De Palma. Yeah. I mean, obviously, this is something that I'm going to reference quite a bit when we actually... A De Palma episode, yeah. Is this documentary? Yeah,
1: we gotta do a De Palma dude. Episode,
0: have man. you seen this documentary? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay, this is the one I think I saw on Netflix. Yeah, um, this is crazy, bro. It's yeah. a crazy it's just him, him being interviewed, talking, talking, no, shit, but it's low key nuts. Like, yeah. the stuff he says in this and the movies he's done, yeah, are crazy. Yeah, like, yeah. it's Legendary. just. It's insane. No, but yeah. what I find fascinating about his movies, because he's done so many over the years, mm-hmm. is how they 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 have so many themes within the movies. Obviously, mm-hmm. but the fact that Noah Baumbach is able to kind of tell you generation by generation what the Palmas, yeah. what was on De Palma's mind, I guess yeah. is what what I can say. Yeah, yeah. But uh, maybe that's just kind of what stood out the most to me.
1: Yeah, it's, it's it was a good combination of the interviews. It's a very personal interview. Um, if I'm not mistaken Noah Bombag got co director credit it was him and the other dude one dude ran camera one dude ran sound mm-hmm. um, so it was really just them into Palma's living room for two days yeah. talking to him so they really got like all the stories out of him and uh I think was was dope is you get to not only the change in De Palma as a filmmaker, but seeing Hollywood shifted and in, 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 in whole. That's exactly um, it. It's, how, it's
0: Hollywood in general.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because he was,
0: obviously the, he's from the famous class.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, the 70s, uh, the film school, film school people: George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, um, and uh, Francis Ford Coppola, and all the uh, all of them, and Brian De Palma. All of them were doing. Big movies that that really that really shook up the industry, and they were all friends.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they were all they're like, all
1: watching each other movies and, and, and giving each other critiques, exactly and talking to each other. That's about
0: incredibly it. fascinating, and yeah. they basically shaped Hollywood as we know it now. Yeah, kinda,
1: yeah, low key. Well, Brian De Palma, he had Carrie. Uh, you know, obviously George Lucas at Star Wars. Francis Ford Coppola at The Godfather. Uh, Spielberg, Jaws.
0: And we we learn a lot about his relationship with De Niro, which is actually incredibly fascinating. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah. yeah. uh, We we talked a little bit off camera about people who always put themselves out there. Yeah, De Niro low-key was one, dude. Yeah, yeah. The way that that De Palma, I think he says the story, and I might be misquoting it, but the way he said, like, he was the most confident dude I've ever met. He was just like, yo, put me in your movie. Yeah. Like, that was Robert De Niro. (laughs) Like, a young little De Niro. Mm, Like, you mm. see him young in this movie, and it's incredibly fascinating to see from, like, that age he was already being like mm-hmm. like I'm a great actor put right, me in there
1: right 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 um, I mean as you should and you know and uh, what I think speaks speaks greatly about uh, Brian De Palma's like career early on too was that you know unlike his unlike most of his contemporaries he went to film school I don't know if he exactly finished or not um, but um, he kind of just jumped right into he never he never did a studio type type thing he was always outside of the mainstream um even going for movies like Blowout, which is one of my favorite per- personally of his, um, with John Travolta, Scarface. Um, even though those are big movies-wise guys, they always stood outside of like the mainstream. Uh, and I think they have a very stylistic uh, kind of kind of vibe to him as well that I think is, is really interesting yeah
0: it, he's, he's got an incredible career and a, a lot of it we'll talk a little bit more when we do the Palma episode because I actually want to touch on some specific moments in this documentary but props right. to Noah for bringing us that documentary man yeah,
1: yeah props shout out. yeah
0: it's uh, a great film let's, speaking of Netflix uh, let's finish up with the Marowitz Mar, Marowitz stories Marowitz story yeah what do you think of this one man this is Adam Sandler's Netflix movie that isn't a ridiculous comedy. Yeah, no, that's actually <laughs> one good. of the Adam Sandler Netflix movies that yeah. that he's on his deal. Oh, well, was this one that was on his deal? I think I think
1: so. Uh, I, I wow. might be wrong. Hey, if this is on his deal, man. Because so he's getting, I don't know, man. Because there's I, a
0: lot of crap on the well, look, on rather, Netflix.
1: Listen, if this if it takes six bad movies to get to one good one, I'm here for the good one. Dang it! Um, I was one of the only people who put this on the top ten list. By the way, that's
0: this, right. I do out. remember that. Um, yeah.
1: I, I still heavily believe Did you in go it.
0: to the did you see it in theaters?
1: No, nah, I saw it in Netflix, uh. yeah. But see, there's the surprise and that's why I love Netflix, man. It's the surprise of seeing something pop up on Netflix. And just having that you actually want to see Yeah, I wanna see. I was like new, no I didn't even know Noah no bomb back. I had a new movie coming out. What? Clicked on it, blown away. You know? Um I, I didn't even know Ben Still was in there or anything. Um so it was a really you know, it was a really like I said, refreshing movie. Um uh, it feels really good to have uh films that uh, kind of speak that kind of speak a different language than boom boom action explosion, you know what mm. I mean? It's very quiet, it's very methodical. Yeah. We talked a lot about the characterization earlier in this movie and like the writing and the dialogue and how it all works out. Um but I just think overall, you know, I love seeing um, I love seeing I love seeing Netflix produce original stuff. I mean I'm always gonna be a big Netflix defender. This was also the same year they did Okja, which is also on my That's top right. ten list. Um, so they you know their Netflix original, I hope their movies get back to the quality that this is um, but you know the Irishman's coming out this year so it's mm-hmm. a big
0: move they're very curious about this movie but this is the one you mentioned talking a little bit about the older people kind of the fear of aging and, and yeah. the battle with aging that they have talk to me a little bit more about that within this movie um, well within this movie is, you know
1: D- Dustin uh, Hoffman's character is like an older Um, professor and he's being honored but he doesn't want to be honored because he feels like being honored is uh like retiring pretty much like being being put away like being kind of stored away you know and you know i think a fear of a lot of older people too is when they get old are their kids going to take care of them or not and that's something that uh weighs heavy on dustin hoffman's character as well because he's worried of uh, he's worried about you know his children, Ben Stiller being the successful businessman, actually caring about, um, caring about his family and everything. Where as Adam Sandler's character is, has always been close to his mom and his, and his pops, but um, there's a strain in their relationship too, when that he doesn't feel like as admired and as respected. So it's like it's all these like different layers and complications of like what family dynamic is actually like. And I, I'm a big fan of that. I love that. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's explored here. Yeah.
0: And it's the it's the the kind of conversations you would have with someone who is in this family, and that yeah. that's the kind of idea, right? That it's a very grounded world that they live in because of 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 the deals, the issues that they deal with within the family. So yeah, and and a lot of it came from that Nerdwriter video when he talked about how everything kind of related back to the characters, and you felt mm-hmm. the 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 subtle like mm-hmm. resentment or the subtle you know anger right. within small conversations and, right. and talking a little bit more about like their career and what happened to their lives and their success and right. how people measure success um, and that's a that's an actual thing that people deal with in, mm-hmm. in this in America quite a bit but all over the world so it's a very relatable topic in that sense and it' it's also like a what if scenario at least for me RB three as far as I personally maybe just because I'm getting older, RB3. Mm -hmm. Man, 50 is getting close, bro. (laughs) No, no, bro, you're not even halfway
1: to 50, man. Jesus. But either
0: way, like it's a, it's the idea of like what happens when I'm older with my relationship with my parents. I don't know if you thought about that, but I have, Mm. Um, and the idea of like. Where are things gonna go and and what's gonna happen? So, right. that that's kind of my connection to it, and right. it's also a buck fifty RP three. It's it's going up there. <laughs> I mean, as far as the runtime, Netflix probably didn't
1: make them cut nothing. So uh, I was it's gonna good. say, go, go, go for, good for good for Netflix. For him. Yeah, but I'm um, not nah, I, I love
0: it though. It's man. still like really short for me. About yeah. 50. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good length. That's, Again, a, good that's, length. that's yeah. actually a good length for a movie. Either way, uh, I really want to hear from you guys. What is your favorite no bomb movie? What is your favorite no bomb line, moment, yeah. whatever it may be. Do you like this director? What yeah. is your favorite? You can reach out to uh, reach out to us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at squad leader race. I'm at RB3. Uh, director RB3. Yeah, one. and you can uh, tweet at us. Let yeah. us know. Follow us. Give us uh, give us the likes and the retweets and all that jazz. Yeah. Uh, and make sure you stick around with this channel. Make sure you stick around on this feed. Give us a review on the iTunes feed. I think that'd be very yeah, helpful.
1: Yeah, that's big. Yeah. But
0: either way, guys, let us know in the comments down below if you're on YouTube. Or, uh, follow us on First Cut. Yeah, if you don't First have Cut. It.
1: Yeah, First Cut on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts Spotify, everywhere you find podcasts. We're at the, meet, the quote the meaning of podcasts. So.
0: And make sure you support, this is your last chance to support RB3's movie. Yeah, this Time will be Stand. the last
1: day. This will be the last day. It's literally the last day today. So if you are watching this and you would like to support TimeStamp, we still
0: need that money. Yeah. So go ahead and throw the that down. The last day is usually when, when, when people make the most. So hey, make so. the most, guys, and yeah. donate to RB3. Hey. Either way, guys, for the meaning of Podcast, I am Andres. This is RB3. And we are peace out, Peace out, guys.